Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern Spooky, and this week, Abandoned. And quite chilly. Oh, indeed. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. Are you unsure of that fact? Well, no, I'm just saying that because this story that we're about to do, if I'm in Florida, I am quite literally the furthest in the U.S. away from this city we're about to talk about. This is true. Yes. Very likely. We'd like to invite you to our digital secret Santa and ask you for some five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Not too much. Please find us on Facebook and leave us some comments. Find our Patreon, etc., etc. <laughs> so this week we yep. are yep. straying into northern territory. Very northern territory. Okay, not just Yankees, y'all. We're talking in very far. <laughs> We're talking Inuit right now. We don't get much of a winter wonderland here in the south, so we're going to talk about Alaska. Woo-hoo. It's home to many abandoned towns and settlements. All I can figure is that, you know, the Eurotypes tried to move in and then said, oh, it's quite cold here. Please pardon in advance the pronunciation of the native Alaskan words. We yes. will do our best, but yeah, I was a French major. Some of these are going to be a little out of my range. I can, I can speak a little Navajo, but not Inuit. I can't speak, like, that is a whole new beast. I do remember, strange aside, my mom got an Alaskan Malamute dog, and we wanted to name it something native. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I remember that we called the library, they looked up (laughs) words for us, and the word for happy, because it seemed to fit him, was Kuvio Sucktalk. Yes. We ended up naming him Aslan, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried to learn a little bit of it, but I just wasn't into it. I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) Alaska Alaska. is larger than life. Quite literally. With overwhelming landscapes offering adventure, Mm -hmm. mountains and forests and wilderness. And lions and tigers and probably not. Just bears. Just bears. Just bears. Just bears. Endless miles of, well, it's quite beautiful and rather chilly for some of us. But the stories about Portlock, Alaska are fairly unique. Indeed. For an adrenaline-pumping excursion, look no further than tales of this now-abandoned Alaska coastal coastal town. Yes. I can talk, really. Mm-hmm. Portlock, its original name in Sugpiak, God help me, Aralaik, couldn't pronu- tell you. Good, good pronunciation there. Yeah, it's almost not... Well, let's see. Well, it's let's, kind of like Hawaiian in that le- realm of we have all the vowels but no consonants. It's actually spelled A-R-R-U-L-A-A apostrophe I-K. And the anglicization of it. Yes. Anyway, this place, it's a ghost town mm-hmm. in the U.S. state of Alaska. Yep. So if you're looking at a map or a globe or whatever you Google, probably... It's on the southern edge of the Kenai Peninsula in Port Chatham Bay. Um, the population largely consisted of Russian Aleuts, uh, you know, for except for the native people. Uh-huh. The Aleuts inhabited, I don't even know how to say that either, the area for centuries. And other settlers came to the region around 1787 yep. when the British Royal Navy arrived with Captain Nathaniel Portlock. What a cool name, though. It is kind of cool. It's a Portlock. It's like, it sounds like a... Like a steampunk character you would come up with. I will say every time I tried to write it, um, autocorrect wanted to say potluck. Yes. Mine did it. Mine did the exact same thing. (laughs) 
It was renamed after Captain Nathaniel Potluck. Portlock, a British ship captain who sailed there. But, okay, a note about Captain Portlock. The town's original claim to fame was potentially a fabrication. The town's fishermen, lumbermen, and miners all liked to boast that the British naval captain, maritime fur trader, and author, Nathaniel Portlock, had anchored and provisioned there in 1786. But as it turned out, and I have not researched this in depth because I can't find much about it, but... Allegedly, he did nothing of the kind, having skipped the town for an area upstream in the vicinity of uh, the Cook Inlet instead. And from what I understand, the reason he skipped that area is because he knew a woman northern, (laughs) more far north. (laughs) So he was a little more inviting port. Yes, he he was he was skipping port for another port. Interesting. Yes, he moored his dinghy there. (laughs) God, you're wrong. He totally made buff there. The town was an active cannery community in the early 20th century, particularly for salmon. You know, it, it fits. That That's par. Like, I would imagine salmon or lobster would be, like, their biggest kind of... Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, what's the competition? A bunch of bears. Right. Now, after the construction of Alaska Route 1, the town, along with many others, was abandoned in favor of towns along the opposite edge of the Kenai Peninsula. Peninsula, mm-hmm. which were accessible to the highway and therefore mainland Alaska. <laughs> Not Port Walk. No. The town's post office officially closed between 1950 and 51. The mine tunnel, house pilings, and rusted cannery equipment are all that are re- remain of Port Lock, Alaska today. And one wooden house that hunters stay in. And, of course, the unrivaled and fairly untouched beauty oh, of the absolutely. natural landscape. Absolutely. So before we get any further, I want to sort of preface this story Uh-oh. by saying the stuff you're about to hear that's creepy can actually be explained. Probably. And it all falls to polar bears. Hmm. Which, oh, I mean, a lot of you, I don't know how survivalish you are. I but, am not. But one thing that I did learn about bears, if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, lay down, and if it's white, say good night. No, that that is the that's how you recognize what you should do for a bear. If gotcha. It, yeah, if it's black, you fight back. It, it, black bears are small. Yeah. If it's brown, lay down. They will look at you and fall over and go, I don't want to mess with him. A polar bear, they don't care. I do remember hearing about some video somewhere of a guy who was in kind of like the bear equivalent of a shark cage. Mm-hmm. And a polar bear was very excited about him and kept turning the cage over and trying to get into it and almost did. And according to Christopher, who had watched this, he said that the person in the cage, his mind just kind of slagged. And all he could say was, oh, boy. Yep. Like, <laughs> I think he survived, but still. Polar bears are not, like, you just don't mess with them. Well, no, they're huge and hungry. Like, and Yes, like, I mean. They're probably a little mad about the glaciers and yep. stuff. So, yeah, back to the story. Sorry, I just figured I'd share that, that a lot of the stories can be explained with a polar bear did it. Okay. But. Thanks for ruining it right in the very beginning. Well, I mean, I figured it's still going to be creepy. True. Okay, so if you believe the residents of the nearby villages of Seldovia, Nanwalek, and Port Graham, obviously that's an Inuit word. Oh, yeah. The area is haunted. 
1905, all the workers left their cannery jobs due to mysterious goings-on that, quote, bothered, was their choice of word, the camp. Then the cannery workers returned the next season, but the unexplained events were still reported. What events? I don't know. But there was a whole nimbus of fear and mystery that began to pervade the small town. Mm -hmm. During the 1920s, the locals heard a story about a man named Albert Petka, and it was believed that he was the first victim of whatever this was. Apparently, there was a creature. Yeah. He scared off said creature with the help of his dogs. Not a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> However, the creature served Petka a devastating blow to the chest, and initially he survived long enough to tell the tale... And if then you believe died it. two days later. <laughs> he, yeah, he succumbed to his injuries and died shortly thereafter. In 1931, woodcutter Andrew Camluck, not related to Portlock, was also found dead, seemingly killed by a single blow. That seemed um, more intense than that which a normal human can deliver. Yeah. Um, in another instance, a piece of logging equipment hit a logger in the head, and even though it would have taken more than one person to lift it, obviously, the logger died from his injuries. Hunters, gold miners, and various woodsmen who headed into the mountains started to disappear. And it was a lot of them, by the way. Like, we're yeah, you watched like, the cool video. Yeah, right? we're, we're talking like double, triple digits of people who have just disappeared near Portlock. At an unspecified time in its history, as in, we know this happened, but we can't verify mm -hmm. when, a group of cannery workers went for a walk in the hills, never came back. Later, uh, one or all of them, depending on who you believe, th one of their horribly mutilated bodies, you have to put it that way, washed downstream into Portlock. In the forest, people reported that someone ripped trees out and shoved them back in upside down. Now, we know that to be a familiar sign and calling card of at least one specific cryptid, but yeah. um, probably not polar bears. No. I've never heard of... I have seen bears, like, if you climb up a tree, a bear will push on the tree to get you to fall out. Like, they will stand up on their hind legs and quite literally bounce the tree. <laughs> oh, dear. But I've never heard of anything picking up a tree and replanting that tree upside down. Only Sasquatch. Yep. According to another tale... A hunting party was out tracking a moose. Why? Uh. Okay, in Alaska, the list of hostile predators, not even predators, the list of hostile creatures goes polar bear, moose. Um, I guess they, I don't know, maybe they just thought, we want a really big deer-like animal. <sighs> Never mind that it's prehistoric megafauna. <laughs> and not to mention that it can kill you very quickly. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, a psychological profile was not provided. It just said they were going out tracking a moose. Wow. They reported finding giant footprints 18 inches long, also stalking the same animal. They arrived at the site of what seemed to have been a bloody battle and no moose. Yeah. Footprints headed in from that spot into the Foggy Mountains. And occurrences like these began to happen regularly, even more so. And in the local dialect of, oh dear God, Aleutiak, eh, the language of the area, the creature is called a Nantanak, half man, oh, yeah. half beast. Nantanak. Oh, and also on the list of creatures not to f*** with in Alaska. That, it, I assume. It's polar bears, moose, moose. Canadian geese. 
Well, duh. They're the most vicious creatures out there. It's the cobra chicken. <laughs> so, yeah, the Nantanok I've heard of. Okay. Is, yeah. Just in your, uh, through your native side? No, no, or no, no, just no. because As you've heard of it before? Just because I've heard of it. It's, it's essentially the northern version of Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they uh, most continents have some version of this. Yeah, there are, there is and it it's all over the world. Yeah. Like and even regionally we mm-hmm. have things like Florida has the skunk ape. It's basically Bigfoot. Basically Bigfoot. Sasquatch, know? Yeti, um, Nantanok. Uh, Nant- you know, yes. I mean like everybody has their regional missing link. Yeah. Bodies would be recovered from the nearby lagoon, often showing uh, physical damage and wounding not made by a bear. And Oh no, if they were wounded by a bear, you'd be able to tell. I was going to say, these are people who could probably recognize the signs of yeah. a bear versus something else. In 1940, local natives, though I assume they don't mean native natives, yeah. of Portlock, Alaska, were absolutely shocked by another discovery. I don't know how shocking at this point, but yeah. a man that had gone... It comes to the point where you're almost jaded about what happens in your own <laughs> Sort of town. like halfway through Clue when they find another body and they're like, eh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a man had gone on a hunting expedition in the area but failed to return. Shocking, As one does. As one does. A search team was immediately appointed and sent to search for the missing hunter. And the search team found the body in a creek. Crap. The body was entirely mutilated and then pulled apart in a random way that is not really consistent with a bear attack. Okay, then. The loss of lives and the brutality of all this started to take a toll on the stressed-out community. You would think. Yeah. The town had experienced over 50 years of hauntings. Well, they say murders, but I don't know if you call it that if it's an animal attack. Murder is defined as one human being killing another. We'll just say... Killings. Yeah, unexplained deaths. Like, you can't, like, it's like saying that the, um, that the lions, the ghosts in the darkness, were murdering people. No, they were killing them. For fun, but still, yes. Um, and disappearances before the townspeople kind of just gave in and gave up and left. Yeah. By 1949, residents had left en masse. Nice French word. Yes. Their homes... I would have said en masse, but... You would. Yeah. Whatever is less pretentious. I was a French major. Can't help it. Yeah, go ahead. Their homes, the nearby chromium mine, the cannery. You do you, baby. Thank you. But I'd rather you. No. The teacher's cottage and the large schoolhouse were all left to the elements. Portlock, Alaska became one of the many abandoned towns in Alaska. Of course. And what's really funny is it's only accessible by boat or plane. That doesn't help it very much, I mean, like, how did they leave en masse, as you would say? Like, they just pull up a really big-ass boat and go, okay, everybody just get in. I'm, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I get the impression that you know, when they showed up to work seasonally, they basically... Well, they were losing numbers. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. As they were leaving seasonally, people just weren't coming back. So would they, you? Like, 50 people would leave, and 30 would come back. And then those 30 would leave, and only 20 would come <laughs> Whoever back. Whoever was like, left of the yeah, 30. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you got that one guy who's named George who's like, yeah, we're at Portlock and we had a bunch of killings and people gone missing. I ain't going back. <laughs> like, So what we're hearing is there was a bit of attrition with the people yeah, living yeah, there. Yeah, definitely attrition. However, the town does still get occasional visitors. I like this example. Is the 1970s. 
That was like 50 years ago. Yep. A fisherman was forced to take refuge from a storm in Port Lock. Oh, yes. I remember this one. <laughs> and well, feel free to, sh- to add in. Um, he reported something strange walked through his camp, something bipedal. Mm-hmm. And it terrified him, and he left as soon as possible. And that's literally all I have on well, it. Well, also, and it's like I was telling you, when you're in the woods and you're, you know, you're taking shelter, you know what footsteps sound like. You know the exact sound that you can go, that is four feet, that is two feet. Oh, yeah. Like, it is, it's indistinguishable. Like, you're just like, okay, I know it, I know it, I freaking know it. Yeah, and if it has two feet, but a longer than normal stride, that's gonna be a little disturbing. Oh, Oh, yeah. A lot of things in nature are scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we we are ingrained with be scared of nature. Well, because there's poisons and toxins and bitey things yes. and clawing things. But even things that can be, that, that are, oh my God, I heard children mm. laughing in the woods. Yes, you did hear children. You heard fox children laugh because they sound like they're laughing. There are a lot of creepy sounds that can be easily explained and you're a good swamp guide. Yeah, or the woman screaming in the swamp. That is a bobcat. That is a bobcat. (laughs) Like, a lot of things can be explained, but when you hear footsteps, you know those footsteps. Not to mention, and I don't know if anyone's listened to this, I can't remember where it, I think it was on uh, Mr. Ballin, where someone recorded what sounded like two Sasquatch Talking back and forth, mimicking human speech, yeah, like yeah. it was gibberish, but it was it was the strangest yeah, sounding thing. Very weird sounding. Well, as if a Sasquatch creature wasn't enough. Yeah, there were appearances of another paranormal sort. Have you oh, heard about the, the lady, lady in, in black? black. Yes, the a lady ghostly in black. lady in black started appearing from behind the cliffs and spooking the local kids. Now, I don't know when this was or if there were kids around still. If you get this, think of Avatar The Last Airbender and the Lady of the Water. According to Portlock's oldest surviving resident, Melania Keel, that's exactly what happened. Her dress was so long she would drag it, she told the Homer Tribune. She had a very white face and would disappear back into the cliffs. And this was followed by stories about haunting events in the mine in Chrome and in Chatham Bay. Mm-hmm. Now, there are those who insist that all these tales are embellished or outright fabricated. Or are a polar bear. Well, I some of the stuff, like I said, some of oh, the granted. stuff, I can say, okay, that could possibly be a polar bear. Granted. But when you got people going, um, yeah, we stayed in this building and something was hurling giant stones at the building trying to get us to leave, that's when you go, okay, no, not a polar bear. No, I don't think their aim's that good. No. Is that one of the stories you heard on this? Yeah, show? it's well, actually, it, it. well, it was actually um, the same guy you were just talking about him taking refuge in, oh, in yeah. the city, which it really wasn't a city at this point. It what was, was left of the it, ghost town? It was a couple of wooden buildings. That, yeah. That's what hunters would use them for. Is that's where they would take refuge when they were hunting or when they got lost or whatnot. Um, and everybody knew it as Port Lock. Well, when he took refuge, he heard things outside and rocks were bouncing off of the roof. And he said they weren't pebbles. These were like basketball-sized rocks bouncing off of the roof. Now, keep in mind, where they are in Port Lock, 
it sits at the base of sort of kind of a hill, not a mountain, but a hill. But the ground is so frozen, the rocks don't fall. You would have to pull these rocks out of the ground and throw them. Part of me, I can only imagine, like, whatever's throwing them just going, go away. Yeah, I mean, uh, screw off. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Like, and, and I think that's exactly what it is. But like, I don't know. If someone's throwing giant rocks, I don't think I'm going to be real interested in being out in the open <laughs> either. Yeah. It's like, you're not encouraging me to leave. I'm going to stay right here under the table. And from what I understand, he huddled there in terror until day, and then he bolted out of Portlock. I would too. It's raining huge rocks. Yeah. So, okay. It could be fabricated. Yeah. Several residents who grew up there and moved out still talk about how beautiful this place is. Oh, it's gorgeous. So it could be that the stories about their hometown exist to just keep outsiders from discovering what a magical place it is. The co-founder of Juno's Hidden History, Brian Week, explained that those people did leave the town. We know when the town and the post office shut down. We know that there were reported murders in the area. They called them murders, but they also included people who just went lost in those reports. Yeah. We're not talking about a dozen people. We're talking like three dozen people. Yeah, it, it was a high number. If we have a serial killer in the area at the time, they took out a lot of people in the course of, say, 20 years. I was about to say, it's, for, for a serial killer, that is a short time span. True. So, counterpoint. A Reddit user surfaced to talk about the reality of the town, going the by the with, name... Name withheld? <laughs> Um, Well, the real name withheld, he went by the name Pocket Weasel UK. (laughs) He wrote, that's the folklore. It paints a scary picture of an aggressive and violent Bigfoot. It's the basis for TV shows like Alaska Killer Bigfoot, numerous internet articles and YouTube videos, and at least one not very good book. (laughs) The trouble is, none of it is correct. Well, yes, the inhabitants did leave town, that's true, but not because of the Bigfoot attacks or all the deaths and maimings. The truth is, there were no mysterious deaths in Portlock. Okay, I don't. Somebody needs to check this out. The town closed down because of the new highway offered better transportation links and took away the need for a port for sea traffic. Without a reason for its existence, the town just withered and died. It's like, it's like the storyline for Psycho. I mean, it's sad, but that's economics. All the Bigfoot stories came from just one person many years after the event, with no corroborating evidence. End quote. Uh, he's got a point. I don't know when this was written. I couldn't actually find that. Again, not a lot of documentation, but I'm going to guess semi-recently within the last few years. I mean, Reddit, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he could very well be true. Uh-huh. So, do we believe him? Do we believe all these supposed, not very carefully documented in um, incidences? And which is more fun, really? <laughs> Well, I think that's the thing. I mean, it's creepy, but was it real? How many times do we get to say, so this was a thing, maybe. Well, okay, so yes, I like the creepy factor of it, but um, hold on. What was the gentleman's name? Let me turn the script here. Pocket Weasel? Pocket Weasel UK does actually have a point. I mean, it, it's it Sounds seems wrong. it seems very feasible. But oh, yeah. that many people disappearing doesn't just happen. True. So you think, like... I guess it's a matter of documentation. Do we believe all these people disappeared or do we not? He says uh, not. Uh, now, I don't know. Again, he doesn't quote a source. He just says it. Okay. So, well, people on Reddit are not very good at quoting sources. Well, okay. But 
what I'm saying is... No judgment. We don't know either no, way. Yeah, we don't know who you are. <laughs> We're not judging you, bro. What I'm saying is, let's look at other other cities that this has happened to. The one in France that you were telling me about. Oh, Oradour? Yes. Um, it was bombed out by the Nazis. Roanoke. No one's really sure, but we have some theories. What I'm saying is, when something happens like this, as you would say, en masse, uh-huh. there is something going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so you can't just... Centralia. St- oh, yeah. Um... I guess it depends on how long it really took for people to disappear. If they all leave within the same few years, Roanoke was, I forget how many years, between the time people left and came back. When the guy left, it was like two and a half years when he came back and everybody was just gone. Yeah, Orador was overnight, basically. Yes. We'll talk about that sometime, but it's depressing. Um, Yeah, there will be a big trigger warning at the beginning of that episode. So, yeah, I mean, I... I could see it either way. What I'm saying, it's that whole trickle. It's the whole trickle thing. It's like when people leave a town, it's usually not steady, so it just people leave. Yeah. And then a little while later, more people leave. Not everybody decides we're done and just freaking leave. This is true. So again, I guess it comes down to the documentation and who do you believe. I'm sure we could look up any of the records for the postmaster. And if we had more money and more time, we could have done that. But By the I way, don't... incidentally, the post office, the last thing to close in Port Locke. Yeah? It in was 1951. The, it was the only thing that was there, and then it closed. It got boarded up, and they left. you got to feel sorry for the postmaster who's like, well, here I am again today. Yep. For I no guarantee, one. <laughs> I guarantee you there's still a church and a Starbucks there. <laughs> That's and, and Dollar General. Lord, there's a new Dollar General, probably. Yeah. Is there any other kind? But, yeah, poor, I've always found Portlock pretty interesting. Uh, as a note, and it was mentioned earlier, in 2021, you know, right as we're in, exiting the land of COVID, there was a documentary of sorts, um, a reality TV show called... I think it was Alaskan Killer Bigfoot that yeah, aired on Discovery+. it was Discovery on Discovery, Plus. yeah, it was on Discovery+. Plus. And it follows a team of scouts exploring the ruins of, I don't know if it's this specific abandoned town or just an abandoned town, of which there seem to be many. Yeah, I especially in Alaska. Yeah, I think Alaska takes a certain kind of person to live there. Oh, I yeah. am not that person. Well, there's a reason why they refer to living it as the cold life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know a few people who would enjoy that, not me. I'd be fine with it, but I know you really wouldn't be into it, so... Dude, you whined about how cold it was when it was 60 degrees and you had just moved here from Florida. I don't believe you. I can adapt. I have a couple of friends at fair who, even on the coldest day, they're like, ah, it's too warm for my great coat. Polar bear people. Polar bear people. So, yeah, I'm... For anyone outside of our little territory, Southerners in the U.S. who have grown up here. We are comfortable to a point. Once it starts getting around 50 degrees, we're uncomfortable. If it's below 40, we're unhappy. If it gets any colder, we're afraid. Yes. (laughs) There is a quote that is I've seen floating around on Facebook about you can't make a Hallmark movie about Christmas in the South because if a snow starts, it's not magical. People start rioting at the grocery yes, store. Yes, they panic. They buy all the toilet paper and, and, and water and milk. Milk and bread, mostly. Famously. Well, keep in mind, you're also talking to someone who lived in Ohio. I couldn't do that. At least not happily. I lived in Illinois and Ohio. Very cold states. And I adapted, but still, up there, when it snowed, nobody panicked. They were just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. But 
They have snow equipment. Exactly. People can't drive in the rain down here, <laughs> let alone the snow. Like, I mean, somebody we walking... get snow. I do not drive because I am not equipped. I have not been trained, and Lord knows I don't want to be around everyone else in their big redneck Ford compensators, thinking they can drive in snow. Well, what's really funny is down here, if you get one gentleman walking down the road and he farts too hard, six people pull over on the side of the road because it's too dusty. Yeah, fair enough. We don't get snow. We get pollen. I have oh, heard yeah, of people the... who. I, I'm sorry. The <laughs> pollen is worse than the snow. Oh, yeah. People who are not familiar with our springtimes um, freak out the first time they see it. They're like, why is the world yellow? What is this powder? That would be pollen, my dears. Anyway, we have blathered on about the chill for a while. But, you know, it's almost Christmas. Yep. It's winter-ish. Granted, it was like 60 degrees today here, but um, yeah. I'm good with that, really. It's not 60 degrees now. No, I think it's actually supposed to get down to like the upper 30s, low 40s yeah, tonight. something like that. Anyway, there you have it. Another episode of your life slipped away that could have been spent productively, but you spent it with us. Oh, yay. Unless they do something productive while listening to us. If you have knitting projects, I'd love to see it. Oh, absolutely. Or cross-stitch, you know, whatever. Knitting, cross-stitch, embroidery. Painting your little, your minis for your role-playing games. Embroideries. (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. Like, any artsy stuff you you do while listening to us, please post it to Facebook. We'd love to see it. I would. Yep. I keep hearing that people do... I, I have a hard time listening and doing stuff, but yeah. I'm special. Feel free to comment on our Facebook page. Check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. As a note, if you remember last week's post about or episode about the Krampus, barring unforeseen events, in two days, we're going this weekend. We're yep. going to we, take our picture with Krampus and we'll post to, that. Yep, we're definitely going to be taking pictures with Krampus. At Le Chat Noir, so... Or Jason. As we know him. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be posting pictures of that. So oh, if yes. you don't make it this year, hopefully we'll coax you to go next year. Indeed. And I guess join us next time when we get up to some more spooky holiday-related shenanigans. Indeed. In the meantime, I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And we are Southern Fried Spooky. Thanks for singing along with Sorry me Sorry about that. Until next week. Bye, Bye y'all. You're just off your your beat today. Huh? I'm I'm tired. Living with an insomniac. 101. <laughs> oh, the weather outside is weather. <laughs>